What's up, JP? I love that <laughs> intro. It's uh thank you, Nico. Thanks, man. I don't know if I don't know if anyone heard the sound with it this time around, but there is there's a pretty cool soundtrack to go to that too. Oh yeah, we all heard it. You just didn't because it's you're non-functioning. Okay, I, I didn't hear it in my did you? I didn't hear it in my headset. But that's cool. It's it maybe it's something. It's just one of those things we do. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. it is what it is. It's fine. So let's talk about who we're about to have on. Uh, he just sent us a message and he's going to come in. So if you want to do a proper introduction, that'd be really cool. Yeah, he's uh, he will be here shortly. He's finishing up something else in his. Right now, he's a pretty busy man. He does his own podcast. He used to be a professional wrestler, uh, and I think he might still dabble on the West Coast. Um, and by dabble, I mean show up at a show here and there. Uh, he did commentary for Roller Derby out there. Wrestled in the Northeast for years as Ebony Blade. Um, and right now, he's a um, attorney, uh, Eric D. Anderson Law, in a few things about Eric Ebony. I, I don't, I'm going to probably switch back and forth the whole show because I've known him as Ebony for so long. But um, a great guy, very well educated. And I want to know his feelings on hashtag speaking out. Cool. So, and we're gonna we're gonna get into uh, a lot of that on more of an attorney type basis right i mean we'll be able to yes. ask those tougher questions and it's yeah, funny yeah. like we're going we're, we're we're basically going live and again AEW and nxt are doing their thing oh and yeah right and here we are around longer than both yeah. of them wednesday who said wednesday night wars and here we are who are we right so uh reason why so i got the uh fig tees up here uh you guys notice that that is actually uh ultimate warrior Wearing a Ninja Turtles uh, T-shirt. Hold on, hold on. Because somebody who I've also been friends with got kind of famous because of an apology that went out this week. Who? Is that a Ninja Turtles or is that a Steve the Turtle Wine T-shirt? Oh. Hashtag quack. Yeah. And by the way, I can tell you, I, I want, can I speak on that? On Specifically, Quack's relationship with Steve Weiner. Sure, I don't care, man. Do your thing. So, before Steven ever had a shot at Chikara, Chikara was coming up and doing Massachusetts, a uh, Massachusetts show. I think it might have been their first one. It's the famous one where Anthony Green was there and interviewed uh, Sweet and Sour, Sweet Larry Sweeney. Ah, Sweet and Sour. Turtle Steve was such a huge fan of Chikara. And he was a wrestler. He's trained by Bob Evans. Like, he's not a nobody. He's not someone that's not trained. He's not dangerous. He's not chump. Um, he emailed Quack a hundred times saying, I have room. I have room. You guys can crash with me. He, in his father's house at the time, put up about 15 of the Chikara guys. Quack went to my buddy Matt Storm, who... We were doing the ring crew. We were doing the, the ring rental for them up here and said, uh, is he trained? And Matt said, yeah, he's, you know, Matt gave, Matt gave a word of confidence, basically saying that he's safe. He won't hurt anybody. So this is, this is Quackenbush talking about Steve, the turtle line. Right. 
And so, I mean, when people say, like, when people, if you don't know who he is or what he looks like or, hey, I'm just going to, if you don't know, like, he, he may not, may or may not look like the ideal prototypical professional wrestler, correct, right. JP? Yeah, but he, so Quackenbush, that night, without telling Steve Wina, announced Steven in the Young Lions Cup that year. <laughs> so... <laughs> This is AG's year in the Young Lions Cup? No, this was the, like, AG was like 12 at this point. Okay. So last year. Yes. (laughs) AG interviewed, um, like, went up in the locker room and was like, hey, can I do interviews with anyone? And Larry Sweeney was like, sure, me. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. But Steven's reaction was like jumping, literally jumping up and down. He did the whole Hogan thing in the in the ring, but it was all genuine because he honestly had no idea. Um, Eric just said he's in. I don't see him in the green room yet. He's coming in right now. So it, it was just cool. And so I don't believe that um, Quack would do anything to mistreat him ever. I see Eric here, but I do not see. There we go. Look at that. There he is. There's the man right there. Mister. Yeah, I just did a little introduction of you, Eric. We are live, but oh, uh, damn we can yeah. it out later. We do it no other way. Come in, hot brother. Um, <laughs> this is a hot know. tag. You're ready, right? Like hot tag. Here <laughs> like, we are. I'm ready. I'm ready for the hot tag. Right here. Tag me in. That is. I'm a pissed. I'm a pissed off Hoot Gibson right now, boy. I'm coming in hot. That's right. I'm like Bobby Fulton, baby. I'm in. I'm ready to go. I got a couple of drop kicks like Tommy Rogers. I'm set and ready to go. Let me tell you. I was just saying how I've known you for so long. I'm probably going to switch back and forth between calling you Ebony and Eric through the whole interview. But that, Eric that, D. Anderson Law is the thing right. going. Yeah, that, that's right. And, and, and I'm going to slowly transition out of my usual accent and then transition into my more lawyerly American voice. Uh, voice as we shift in so there we go uh so people don't 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 get too confused and freaked out i think you a... should go back and forth i think you, <laughs> you should know, do the whole, do the whole you know, coco beware thing like back and forth you, just do it back know, and forth you know the problem is that it's going to happen anyway because it always does <laughs> it always uh, this is josh by the way josh eric Taste awesome. nice how are you doing eric so we it. you came in in a, in a in a perfect spot for us because like if if you can't comment on things like I just I know you'll say I can't comment on that, mm-hmm. but um, JP and I have been huge uh, Chikara fans. Yeah, for 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 an extremely long time. I think people are are well aware of that. And yeah, a, a lot of the questions that I'm a, I'm asking is going to be it's it's personally based because there's been a lot of I, I mean friends of ours that are associated with that that have been severely affected by this hashtag speaking out movement. Yeah. And I, you know, we, 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 this is how serious we take things. Like, I don't know if you know, but like WrestleMania wise, like there mm-hmm. was supposedly moves that couldn't happen. So no. rather than be like everybody else, JP oh, and I well, decided we, to find out uh, who we actually call it the boxing commission, yeah. <laughs> the Boston commission. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, All so right. we, we came we down see, from Providence and yeah, came up from Providence <laughs> to go ahead and deal with the Boston Commission. The Boxing Commission. The, the right. New Orleans Boxing Commission. Right. But they agreed to come on and do the show. Oh, that's outstanding. Yeah. So 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 when we do this, like we want we want professionals that are yeah. when uh, the speaking out thing happened, it was like you were the first name, and I know you just started your podcast too. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I just started cool. mine. Rest, wrestling with the law. You can see parts of it at, uh, on YouTube on the uh, Eric Anderson uh, Law Channel. Uh, on our webpage, uh, Wrestling with the Law. I've got to edit a few more. I've got a great interview with Les Thatcher coming up soon. Oh, I want to put on. Awesome. Yeah, that was. Fun. I got to edit a few things because we were we were a little too open in our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting that happens. That what happens here frequently. Yeah, yeah. That's right. What a what a deal. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, let me tell you, the, uh, I, I want to start by talking with, about the uh, speaking out issue here. Uh, first of all, it's very important. I, I'm 50 years old, and I don't want anybody to hear what I'm going to say and think that I'm going to stand here and tell you that I was always the most angelic person on the face of the earth because I wasn't. Uh, and I'm not going to sit there and tell you that I didn't zig, you know, when I should have zagged, you know, the you know, thinking that there was something that somebody was interested in. And then you make your move and you're like, oh, oh, I completely misread that one. Oh, I a swing and a miss. I've been there, you know, too. I, I get that. But there's a certain point when you kind of grow up a little bit where the switch goes off and suddenly you look at things differently and it shouldn't be at 50. Uh, it shouldn't be at 37 you know, 25 to 30 is a good time to, to start to come into line with that. Uh, and I got to admit, the stories that I'm hearing, and keeping in mind, I'm a huge fan of guilty until, I mean, innocent until proven guilty. Huge fan, huge fan of that. Um, and I'm a huge fan of when people say, well, you know, they're very credible. I say everybody's credible until they get cross-examined. <laughs> you know, I've done a lot of cross- Until yeah. they're in front of Ebony Blade. <laughs> That's right, everybody does. <laughs> but that said... As a business, you know, you don't have to have the beyond reasonable doubt standard. You just don't. There are certain things that I think are important for wrestling promotions and schools to have now that they didn't have, in part because it wasn't the culture. But I also think another reason why they didn't have it is there are some things that you didn't think you needed to tell people. You're like, do I need to tell you? You you really can't go waving your penis at people all over the place. Uh, and let's remember, there was a time where that happened a lot. I mean, Ric Flair did it a lot, right? It was, it was not exactly a secret. On yeah. an airplane, um, it won't I can specifically yeah, remember a pay-per-view where Mae Young's breasts came out on yeah. live no. television. Like, yeah. So it's, yeah. But it's a different world. I think another thing, and this has to be, be said too, is we have more women in the business now than ever before. And these are women who, they're not there to be eye candy. They're not there because no. their boyfriend got them. They're there because they want to be professional wrestlers. And, and because of that, it is extremely important that they get treated. I mean, women should always be respected. Don't get me wrong. They should be. But they really should have this idea of I've come to a place to work and I'm going to work. Not I'm coming to a place to work and every guy I know is going to try and get in my pants. They just shouldn't. Um, and some of the things that are being done are not just about getting in people's pants, but it's they're doing things that are designed to embarrass people and humiliate people. And that, I'm going to speak, that shit's not funny. And so one of the things that I think these programs need to have is you need to have a written harassment policy. You, just need, you need to have it. And everybody has to have a copy of it. And everybody has to sign off on it. I know some of the companies like Limitless Wrestling up in Maine, has done that already. They, you know, even though there's no shows going on, they've already done that, and it actually includes the fans. Oh, good for them. Good for them. You know, and that they're run by a young kid. I think he's what? How old is Randy? Twenty. Oh, good for Randy. Him. Randy Carver at LW yeah. Maine. 
um, on Twitter. Uh, he, I think he may be almost old enough to drink, so. a little bit older. I think he's right yeah. around Anthony's. Young, young. Yeah, Anthony Green's age, somewhere around there. Yeah. Oh, Anthony. God bless. I love Anthony. <laughs> I love Anthony. God bless. I'm so happy to see the success he's having. Can I point um, out one place where people are going to know you from? Sure. So, oh, uh, I don't know. We had a a show where you don't want to be known from for being on up here a couple of years oh. ago, the Pro Wrestling oh. Marathon. Oh, that's right. And that's right. So, Ebony's locker room speeches were famous. And the kid who ran that show <laughs> brought Ebony in to do commentary, but almost more specifically, I think, to do the locker room speech. Yeah. And his speech was so inspiring. Colt Cabana went live on Facebook with it and went viral with it. Yeah, that was very, I got to tell you, that was nice because Colt, Colt uh, sends me a message and he says, is it okay if I go ahead and, and put your locker room speech up? Like, I'm going to say no. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, yeah. No, 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 no. That's just one of the. Like, I was already going through some of the accolades, but yeah, I'm like, yeah, that, no, no, we, like, we interviewed Colt like a decade ago, no, mm-hmm. and the the kid was golden then. I mean, you you ask him, what are you doing now? Oh. Drinking diet coke and eating Twizzlers. You know, just whatever it is. You know, he's gonna, he's somebody is always gonna give him something that he has to get in. I'm sure on an interview at some point in time, and I'm sure there's cash money that always happens when that happens. So. Like when he's when he does something like that, that that's pretty cool. That's over. Yeah, I've come across him in a few other places. It, we're, we're not close, but we've met. We've when we see each other, we talk. Uh, and I've just always found him to be just a great pleasure to to talk with. And I really appreciated him putting that out there. Uh, that was that was great. I really was. Uh, on the speaking out issue again, I think that one of the things is we said you need to have a written policy. Everybody needs to sign off on it. Now, be- because people need to understand, independent liable. contractors can still you can still be liable for the actions of an independent contractor if you don't have a policy, if you don't have rules, and and they're on your shows conducting themselves in ways that right. are completely inappropriate. You know, as a promoter, you're on the hook. Of course. So stop it. And that little the little one sheet waiver is not going to protect you from that, is it? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I know what buttons to push. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> you know these these these. There are people out there who want you signing these waivers, which, by the way, have never been reviewed by an attorney ever. Uh, and they're all shit. I mean, you know, pardon my language. They're just they're all they're all, uh, uh, they're all shite. Every last one of them is shite. Um, <laughs> we will just all. Um, and the pro- so. and part of the problem with them is as well that they haven't been reviewed, they haven't been looked at, and many of them are against public policy. So people think, oh, we signed them, and so they've, they've taken their risk and we're fine. And then they bring in shoddy equipment, like they haven't checked the ropes, they haven't kept the, the ring post safe. Well, guess what? Your waiver doesn't include shoddy equipment. It doesn't. You, 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 can't, you can't get a waiver against your own negligence. That's against public policy. It's against the law. Don't do it. So one of the things that I often say is people sometimes want to be cheap in this business, when it comes to protecting your financial interests and when it comes to protecting your workers, when it comes to protecting your audience, that is not the time to be cheap. And if you still want to be cheap, then get out. Do you think this do you, do you think this also falls on the back of, of those workers that are working those promotions? Is this in a chance is this a chance and an opportunity rather than looking at it as, oh my gosh, I'm gonna fold, like this isn't gonna happen. Is this an opportunity to like up your game. Like this is the standard. This is the bar that we that we 
adhere to. This is the people. Um, these are the background checks that we do on our performers. Yeah. This is like, are we are we at that point, or, or or am I being extreme? Well, I hope we are at that point. I hope we're at that point where people say, look, I need to take this more seriously. Um, there has been too much of a mentality of kind of the wild west in too many places with independence. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that, look, as we know, there are three kinds of people you're going to get on a wrestling show. You're going to get those people who are on their way up. Okay, They're going to wind up being at a major promotion at some point, either here or, or internationally. They're on their way up. You've got other people who they're on their way down. Okay, right. this is you know they're wrapping it up. They had their moment, but now you know they're wrapping up. They're doing something. Else. And there's that third group that's like, look, I just love doing this stuff, and I'm going to do this for as long as I can. Uh, but we always say we hope that they want to be good at what they're doing. I mean, there are a lot of people who play golf who aren't going to be on the PGA tour, but they want to get good at it. exactly. You, you take the lessons <laughs> you want to be good at it. So I think that one of the things here is that it is the time to stand up and say, look, we've we've got to present ourselves as professionals uh as many people know me and jp knows this you know for example jp in all the years you saw ebony blade how many times did you see him out of a suit (laughs) josh what did i say to you 10 minutes before we went on swear to you this is these are his exact words he goes we had chris if he doesn't if he doesn't show up in a suit, this will probably be the, the third time I've ever seen him not in a suit. <laughs> and, and frankly, had it not been for COVID, I would have been. But, you know, <laughs> I saying, so we had Chris Dickinson on a couple weeks ago. He was our last interview, and we're not sure if he was wearing anything. I don't think he was buck-ass naked. <laughs> we, at the end. we know for a fact yeah. there was no shirt. He, was de-str- he didn't even have D-strings going on. He just was Gosh. bucky. If, know, I this, <laughs> if I do this in a tank top, Josh gets uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, you, you, there's, there's, and part of that was my view always of it was that this was a professional, and as a yes. professional, I needed to look like one. And if I didn't look like one, because I always was battling enough with my own body since I wasn't in great shape at the end, because uh, the great thing about suits is that they cover up a lot of problems. Um, you just, do. but part of it was you wanted to, you wanted to look special, and you wanted to look as if. This was someone that people wanted to spend money on, but this was also the environment you wanted to spend money on. I think as well, there's the there's the locker room itself. You, you have to get a locker room that is strong and that believes and that is taught that is taught that this is supposed to be a safe environment. And if that locker room isn't taught that, if they're not taught that this is how we do things, then you can run into problems. I mean, there, there's a rumor about a, an incident in a locker room involving me. Um, you know, many, many moons ago, uh, where someone may have, you know, approached a young lady in a way that was inappropriate and that I had a, a response to that. Um, and admittedly that response was, you know, again, at, at 31, 32, my response would be different than my response at 50, but, but I was old school. And so, uh, you know, my response was to slap him across the face. Um, which apparently taught everybody this locker room is not a place where you treat women like that. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not recommending that everybody starts slapping no, each other around. No, I mean, I can remember uh, probably the same locker room, but you, I don't think you were there at the time where um, somebody approached one of the – and it was somebody It was like his first time working with PWF. Yeah. And Kyle, I think, was still down in Florida, but Evan was in the locker room, Evan Six, Evan Hatch. Oh. And uh, – he approached one of the young girls who was like 16 
and said, "You got to rub the oil on my back. It makes my muscles look big." <laughs> Wait a minute that that was uh, that was the incident. That was my incident. Yeah, that was me. Oh, okay, yeah, oh, I slapped him. The same one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, in fact, okay. I think that's what happened. It, it got reported to me. I went and I asked okay. the guy. He admitted to it, and then I slapped him. Um, that's. But the girl was. I the think slap she, her. She might have been sixteen at that point. Yeah. Well, that's another thing she I think that's, that's another thing schools have to look at is I'm. I'm sorry. If you're going to have a sixteen-year-old there, you need to have a grown-up in the locker room, yep, whose right. only job is looking out. For that kid. Now, I think yep. everybody should be 18. I don't think we should have any 16-year-olds. Nope. Um, and I know that that becomes difficult because then you get people like, you know, Kenny Dykstra, who is, right. you know, Kenny Doyle, who, you know, at, at 15 was already, you know, yeah, ready yeah. to go. He uh, signed the day after his 18th birthday. I, Here, I guess yeah. here's the thing. If you're going to do that, then have it separate from the adults. It has to be an entire separate entity, right? Like, yeah. separate it. Yeah, my advice would be don't have them. You know, have them at the right. school because everybody's around at the school. But don't put them on the shows. If they're at the shows... Keep them away from all this other stuff. I, I think as well, it's the I'm, – I'm a little saddened that we have to say some of the things that we're being told to say. And that is because some things should just be automatic. You know, you should just know you don't do this. Um, because, as I said, we have more women in this business now than ever before. They want to be professionals. They want to be good at what they do. They're not there, you know, for you to go ahead and, you know, jerk off on it or anything like that. They're just, they're just not. And as a company, you need to lay that out long before there's a problem. Now, sometimes I think companies haven't said anything because they thought they didn't need to. I think that's one thing. I think they thought, look, I'm dealing with grown men. They should be, know how to behave themselves. Now, I want to change this up, though, too, and get to this part, and that is that there are people who will be involved with each other. I mean, you've got good-looking men, yeah. good-looking women. They're going to get involved with each other. But I think you need to have a rule, each company, that, look, if there was not a pre-existing relationship, don't have one under here. And that's especially true for trainers and mentees because I can tell you now, it can sometimes be very difficult for a trainer to realize that the person who's liking you or who you think is liking you and is underage is the same person who what they're really doing is they admire you. And it's not that they really love you. They admire you. Don't confuse that admiration for love because that can lead to a road in which 20 years later, you're going to feel like crap if you act on this. So don't. And they're going to feel like crap because they're going to feel like they got used by somebody who was older. So don't do it. So you need to have a rule that nobody who is a trainer is involved with anybody who was a student, who was a trainer, yeah. a trainee. So you got to have that rule. If you don't have that rule, again, you're kind of asking for trouble. Yeah, and that to, to me, that should be common sense but like you said it's gonna happen but i think even in the rare cases where it happens and it works mm -hmm. both people have to be very honest with each other from the get-go on this is what it is if we split it's a business thing if we don't split we stay together forever awesome yeah and you can have that conversation with a 22 year old you can't have that conversation with a 16 year old right it's impossible yes. yeah it's, they, just, uh, it's impossible I mean, some of the things that happen in England where, you know, the, the age of consent is is much younger. And and so to get upset at somebody who at the age of 26 is dating somebody who's 16 in a place in which that is completely legal is a little bit unfair. But here is where the difference comes in. The person who's 26 is a star, an international right. star. 
that's just a very difficult position to be in with somebody who is so much younger. And it is ripe and an invitation for things to go wrong. The other thing is, if you have someone that young in your business, isn't your primary goal to build them up and keep them safe? That's your primary goal. Your primary goal is not their relationship life. Your primary goal is, no, I want you to learn how the business works. I want you to learn how to protect yourself in this business. I want you to learn how to get better and how to develop. So you would want to have that rule just because I want to keep this person safe. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, all the promotions up here that have been around for any amount of time yep. know who you are at this point and are probably friends with you on Facebook and on Many are, yeah. Twitter and stuff. Has anybody hit you up to write any type of code of conduct or update any type of um, wave or anything like that to protect them in this? Out here, they have not, but they also may know, because I, I, I mentioned this online in response to something Bob Evans had written, that I'm going to be giving uh, my tips on the rules you need to have. I'm giving it away for free. Okay. Uh, it's going to go up soon. Um, I'm hoping to finish it <laughs> in the next couple of days. Um, I- because I think it is that important. I, I do. I think that it's really yeah. important. And, and part of it, as I said, too, is I don't want people making the same mistakes that some of us made when we were younger and, and thinking about it later. Um, and, and sometimes it's the look, the most innocent, the thing you're doing that you think is the most innocent thing in the world, and you may have no intention of harming people with it. Think about it from the perspective of the other person, particularly women who get hit on nine times a day, it seems. And that action, you know, alone in the room could be scary as all hell to them. So you want to avoid that as much as possible. Um, so that's one of the reasons why, you know, I think we're talking about, and like I said, one of the rules we definitely think you need to have is the written policy. You need to have a grievance procedure, someone they can go to, to talk to. They can't go to you, you own the company. Right. But, um, you know, or they can't go to the booker, they can't go to the wrestler. So you need to have a procedure of people for them to talk to. And well, people- isn't that isn't that part of it though? I mean, isn't that part of well, this, the whole, like the whole reason why we're at this, where we're at is because people use their positions of power to yeah. ma- manipulate individuals right. into getting what they wanted, right? Well, most, I mean, isn't yeah. that where we're at? Yeah, most I, wrestling companies that I've dealt with that have had any type of success though, mm-hmm. hasn't been just one owner. It's either been multiple owners or there's been some kind of management team in place where, yeah, the owner of course doesn't report to the manager, but the manager can go to him and be like, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. I think if there's a procedure in place to where, for example, you, you, you compl- you're able to complain to an independent person, and that independent person can then deal with an investigation. And, and I, I can't emphasize this enough. Women have to be a part of this investigative process. They just have to be. Because yeah. especially when you're dealing with young women and girls, they need to know that there's a woman they can talk to. And that can't be someone who's married to the boss or married to the booker. It's got to be someone who's right. involved and I mean, I don't know where April Hunter is at the moment, but Christ Almighty, I would, <clears throat> I would, I would sign her up in a heartbeat to be someone who people can talk to about oh, this. Man. We talked um, to her when she did when she was originally with TNA. Nico and I talked to April on a regular it, basis. Like she, yeah, was, you know, a, talk to Nikki. You know, I mean, so many oh, people man. you can, so yeah. many people you can talk to. I mean, I know Mercedes is busy working. Yes, um, but no, there's. Yeah, 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 way too, you know, way too long for them to finally sign her. How do you really? Um, how do you say that again, JP? 
No, no, he's not talking about Sasha. He's talking about okay. Mercedes Martinez. Yeah, okay. Mercedes Martinez, yeah. Who's um, been around forever and been on the top of her game since yeah, day one. Yeah, because some of these ladies will be able to tell you that they went through this stuff, but they didn't say anything. Daisy Hayes. Yeah, yeah, because there was because there just wasn't the, the thought was that if they said anything, they'd never get a shot. I guess yeah. that's what I'm waiting for. Is I'm yes. waiting for those. Like I've I get oh. the speaking out. I understand. I mm-hmm. I I I can't begin to imagine how this all feels for those that have have gone through things, continue to go through things, have said yeah. things and apologized. Um, relationships are broken, marriages are distraught, um, trust is gone. It's I guess it's yeah. one of those things when I look at it, I'm 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 more like I'm just I'm I I don't want to dismiss it because you're saying exactly what needs to happen. But yeah. why the fuck didn't it happen before? And it's same thing with healthcare. Why the fuck hasn't that happened before? Like yeah, I, I think yeah, I think one of the things is as you said is it's we we're seeing women into positions that we haven't seen them in before, and a lot of them have just said, "Look, I'm not taking this. I'm just not taking it at all." Now, this is not to say that some of these accusations aren't going to be false. Some of them right. are. Right. But that doesn't just because some of them are going to be false doesn't mean that some of them aren't going to be true. And that's why you, that, you have to take them seriously and you have to look at them and you have to go through it. And as a business, sometimes you may wind up with an answer in which I don't know what the truth is, but I'm not going to run the risk. Right. And some of them are quite different where some of them are. And I'm not discounting any of them because they're all mm-hmm. serious. And guys, if you're going to hit on a girl, you have to know how to read that girl. I don't think there's anybody better at reading a female than the guy below me on the screen right now. <laughs> Hold on, how do I push, switch myself? <laughs> in his past days, <laughs> in his past days. But <laughs> look at that piano back there. I bet he throws some Elton John down there. My wife can't... watches this thing. You better stop that. <laughs> Allegedly, and in his past. <laughs> I'm joking, but, yeah, but like you need to know how to read that. And if you can't, then don't do it where you work. Well, you know, here's one of the things here. You know, I'm, I'm reading. I'm reading. Yeah, Tim Timber Patrick says a great line. But when women stand up, they are told they are ring rats or they slept their way to the top. You know, Dave Meltzer says, "Man, he's right. We need to drop the whole term ring rat. Right. That needs to just disappear, <laughs> be gone." I got news for. And this is one of the problems in this society. I'm going to say a point blank. One of the reasons we have a problem with a woman's right to say no is because we have a problem with a woman's right to say yes. There's yeah. no truer statement in this yeah. whole situation we, right now. Yeah, we need to stop acting as if they don't have the same rights to say yes. When I, you know, as a prosecutor, I used to say this all the time. You know, every every virgin has a right to say yes. Every slut has a right to say no. Every last how, one. How do you? And this, is, I don't want to continue. I don't want to make sure because this is JP's good. Probably roll his eyes. Um, like how do? Also acknowledging the males in this part. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, like Keith Lee's tweet was yeah. huge for me that was I, I haven't seen that that tweet yet what happened uh basically just talked about him going out one evening um having a few drinks um the pretty lady approached him several times blah 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 blah, blah. he ended up getting the drink bought for him he that was already opened next thing you know you know he's he's not remembering the entire evening and oh, like just it's that's the humbling part in all of this. Like, there's a there's a lot of bad stuff, but there's also some that's... some good stuff in here. There's some things in here where people are willing to stand up and say, "Hey, you know, speaking out." And and even T.J. Perkins talking about his time as a young man in the business right. and being around older women or older females. It's it's a really. I, I, rem- 
I remember yeah. TJ out here in Cal when he broke in. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a Pinoy boy out here. Um, you know, and, and just again, great kid, great, great work ethic, great mindset. Um, and yeah, I, I would see people who would go ahead and approach him you know, from both genders, actually. Um, yeah, you know, who would, and, and there were times where, yeah, he would be very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. Um, cause he was also young. He was young then. I mean, really young, like 17, I think. So basically um, what we're saying is that we need the carnivalization of this to go away and that the professionalism to start to show its face a little more. Right. I, I think you, you've just hit the nail on the head. It's time for everybody to be a freaking professional. Right. You know, and, and it's not that much to ask for. Um, you know, Corn- Cornette did this great riff the other day <laughs> on this whole thing. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't help but laugh. I really couldn't. Because one of the things he talked about, of course, was, look, you know, he said the, the guys didn't harass then because, you know, inside of two minutes they had the girl. They, they weren't going to spend all night doing this. They weren't going to trick her into bed. They were... Now, that's, <laughs> that was funny. And it was true, but it also shouldn't be the standard. Um, right. And you know, coming from Cornette right now, I'm not taking him too seriously on much of this. Well, well there's a the thing, though. I mean, I mean, a lot of the stories about him have already been kind of debunked. Okay. Um, but he has a good point. And one of the things that he also talked about, of course, is that this 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 is irresponsible. People shouldn't be doing this. Um, you know, I, someone had just posted up recently that, uh, yeah, you know, when you ask a girl for a number 200 times, that's harassment. I said, no, no, no. When you ask for it the third time, that's harassment. And sometimes even two. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, that's what the no is. And, and back off and move on. What bugs me is that girls, and it, it bugs me about the world, not about the females, mm-hmm. is that they're so afraid to come forward. Well, it's, um, under, it's understandable. It is. Yeah. But I wish it wasn't. And I want any female listening or that knows me to know if it happens to you, Come to me, and I'll help you out. Yeah. I can either give you the advice. I can talk to the guy, tell the guy to go away and screw. Maybe a little, maybe like you know, a little locker room ebony blade. Um, <laughs> well, who knows? You know, but I will help you with that situation. I will not make that situation any worse for you. I will make it better for you, a little bit maybe, but better for you. And I'll give you advice on where to go and who to talk to. Yeah, see, Ebony Blade would have gone ahead and smacked you across the face and told you very clearly, if you ever if you ever do something like that in this locker room again, I will break you into six separate pieces. I'll beat you with an inch of your life, and I'll make you beg for me to take that last inch. Allegedly. But Eric, yeah, but Eric Anderson would be point blank, which is, look, you've just – you do something like that again, not only am I going to make sure you're banned here, I'll make sure you're banned everywhere. And if she wants to turn around and sue you for harassment, I'll represent her for free. <laughs> okay so i mean that's 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 kind of where we have to almost be with this um and i don't know one of the um <laughs> ronna thank you very much uh, <laughs> see I've, I've got to put i gotta put i gotta put that guy back in the box because he is you know i gotta you know when he comes out it, 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 it's it's crazy um where's your wife <laughs> she's, at, she's, at, she's at home, hopefully listening to this. Um, you know, there's the old say, I'm gonna, which one yeah. of us are you talking to right now? Him yeah. or me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna channel my uh, my grandfather who's from Arkansas, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and kind of say, Look, in my younger years, I'd what you call, I'd what you call a hard dog to, to keep on the porch. Now I'm a hard dog to get off the porch, you know, I, I, I like my home life, so that's. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't I don't screw with that program. I like the home life. But um, to get us back to you know where we were, um, I think that one of the things too is this is going to sound so unfair and so terrible, but it, for those of us who, when we were younger, getting laid wasn't really a problem. Becoming a rock star, so to speak, later, whether at the big level or small level, doesn't really change how you approach these things. And for some people, it's suddenly the guys who were never that way have now become that way. They're now you know, getting it, and maybe they don't know how to approach. I don't know what the answer is, but I would say that it's not that hard to listen to the women out there who are saying, look, don't treat us this way. It's not that hard. It's not that hard to hear that and decide, you know something, I am not going to take advantage of the relationship I have with this person, or more importantly, the position of power I have with this person to try and cajole them into being with me. Now, I'm going to be fair. I think some of the complaints about some of the people in places where it was perfectly legal for them to be involved with younger people, you might be disgusted by it, but if it was legal... You all kind of take your chances. I'm, I'm sorry you do. But when you're in a position of power, power, that's a tough one. That's where the law doesn't matter anymore because you have to recognize that your power now makes this an unfair transaction. Right. And because it's an unfair transaction, with your power, you have to step away. And you know. so the question is who in wrestling has power? Well, one of the people obviously with power, obviously, are owners. And if you're a if you're the star of the promotion and an owner, your power is obvious. You don't need to ask. You know what the power is. Forget that. Go get laid someplace else. If you're if you're the main eventer, there's a power there. If you're the booker, there's a power there. If you're if you're someone who's got a great relationship with WWE or AEW or Ring of Honor or or Impact or you know with New Japan. There's a power there, and you have to be aware that your power, even if you're convincing yourself, is making people willing participants, may not be making them willing participants at all. And I think that's one of the reasons why these companies and these schools have to have these set rules, and you also have to bring the hammer down when it's time to bring the hammer down. Isn't that yeah. what social media no. is all about, is power? <sighs> Likes, power. Likes power, like and isn't really, that what this is all about? Of, I mean, at this point in day, like somebody with a couple thousand followers on Twitter, that could be considered power in the same way. Yeah, I, I think you're. You think you're right about that. I mean, I'm. I'm kind of in some ways new. It's odd. Wrestling is actually what got me into the social media thing. I had people tell me years ago, yeah. JP, you're like, oh yeah, you you you, you got to get on MySpace. On what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Eb, Eb, yo, Eb, 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 you got to get on MySpace. Everybody's on MySpace. You got to get on MySpace. What, what the hell is MySpace? It's where we all talk to each other. You mean like a like a party line or something? No, 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 no. You got to get on MySpace. Okay, so I got on MySpace. Then a few months later, Eb, you got to get on Facebook. You got to get on Facebook. <laughs> what, what, what the hell is what the hell is Facebook? That's where we all talk to each other. You mean like MySpace? No, 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 better, better, better. And, and so... It's funny, wrestling is what actually got me onto the social media because without it, I wouldn't have gotten onto it at all. I just wouldn't have. Um, now, of course, for the business, I, I needed a, on that regard and the promoter. But you're right. You get people with followers and all kinds of things happen. Um, but I think that that also, the positive could be that people now are thinking that um, because they have followers, 
that there's people who are listening to them and maybe they feel safer coming out. And if that happens, that can be a good thing. Now, again, we don't want everything, you know, fully destroyed. The question is, should Chikara, for example, have closed down? Um, you know, I, the question is you know, whether or not Quackenbush should have still been involved. Because that's the other thing. The way you're handling your accusations tells me a lot about where you are. Perfect. And that's, I guess that was going to be my, my other part of this is like genuineness, apologies, and restructuring. Like how much yeah. of this and, and posturing will be, hey, man, I'll still be involved. I'll still be a, a silent partner. I'll sign the business over to you. Now I'm going to go run such and such a promotion XYZ over here. That's a good question because I think people are going to have to look at that. I mean, without naming names, I often say, as I said, guys, I was always an angel. There, there's so many things in my life. I, I wish I wish a good chunk oh, of my yeah. 20s, I wish I never did. I, I mean, I really do. I wish but I could I also, remember them. <laughs> but I also, I also point blank say, anybody who I think I owe an apology to, they've gotten that apology from me. They just have. Um, and I'm a big fan of, you know, I, they got my apology, and whatever they chose to do with it was up to them. If they chose to forgive me, great. If they chose not to, that was on them because I was the one who made the mistakes, not them. Um, I think that when you're talking about the apologies we're getting from some people now, it's the, okay, what's your next step? If your decision was, I've apologized for my bad behavior and now I'm shutting everything down. I'm off social media. I'm shutting down my company. I'm doing that. That tells me, okay, so you're telling me that everything was true. But that's the, some of the apologies, and I actually respect some of these apologies. Some of them have been, some have been good. Yeah. They've taken ownership for what they've done. Yeah. And some of them have been very dismissive, but still apologize. Yeah. Well, here's my view on the apology thing, though. You notice, no one in wrestling has accused me of a thing, and I don't think anyone in wrestling you know, right. will. I don't think so. Uh, because so many of you caught me at a point in my life where I was, I was older and more mature, and, and, and just I wanted to be an example as opposed to a, a, uh, you know, a lesson. But you notice, I've stood here and I've said, I've done things that I, right. you know, I'm not proud of, and I've apologized for them. If you waited until the story came out before you said, yeah, I've been a dick. Yeah. Then part of my view is yeah, you've still partially been a dick. Yeah. 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 You, waited, you waited until a the dick's the light a dick. Day. That's just the way right. it is. You know, no matter how big or small, you're still yeah. a dick. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to get into your wrestling a little bit, too. Yeah, by all means. Where did you – who trained you? Like, where did you – because you wrestled – did you wrestle before you went to law school? Or was it during oh, or yeah. after? Oh, God, yeah. I first broke in in 83 in Southern California, actually. Um, Don Diamond was a trainer. Jesse Hernandez was a trainer. Billy Anderson was a trainer. Vandal Drummond was a trainer. Then they opened up the Slammers Wrestling School, and I started doing things there. Uh, and then from there, I got into the Lucha scene. So I'd say that I, I broke in about 83, but I didn't have my first real match in front of a professional audience until about 80, 86, I think, 87. I think around. That was probably pretty normal back then, though, to go a couple of years, right? Now it's like yeah. six months and they're throwing you on a show. Yeah, I, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, you, it yeah, I know. A lot yeah, I, I came in, it appeared that you could be called the near the end of the territories was when I came in. So I was still able to learn by riding yeah. with veterans in cars, going from place to place, carrying bags. Uh, you know, I got to go to, you know, you got to go to foreign countries and you know learn as you were you know what was going on there um you know you learn the respect aspect in different places that's why some people will notice i'm, I'm very respectful to people in part because that's what i was taught i was taught you had to be respectful um 
so that was a big part of it. Uh, it was long before law school. Uh, it, it, in fact, I at my wedding, my best man, God bless him, he said, he said, I've known Eric now for you know almost thirty years. He said, and what I remember is there has always been two constants in his life. You know, one thing was he's always been able to talk, and two is there's always been wrestling. Which is why it's a little odd for me now because wrestling doesn't play the role in my life it used to. You know, uh, I I used to be more than willing to drive an hour and a half to go to a training. Um, I used to catch every show there was. Yeah, I, I'm not in that place anymore. Um, I I don't like to say that I, I've outgrown wrestling because I think that that's kind of insulting to the business. But I would say that my priorities have shifted. Uh, you know, when I get asked sometimes, Adam Barrasano, God bless him. Adam asked me once, "How come I?" He said, "How come I never, you know, made it to the to the you know to the big league?" Uh, you know, why was it that I didn't do that? I, I told him, I said, "Well, there are a few reasons. Number one was when I was breaking in, you know, small guys just weren't getting the kind of break. That's why I worked. I worked a lot of lucha, did some Japan because small guys could get a break there, but not new. The other reason was, uh, point blank, I said I didn't have the heart for it. You know, as much as I loved wrestling, I I loved law more." Okay. How how yeah. how scheme of life? I don't mm -hmm. know how old you are. You don't have to disclose that. But scheme 50. of life, like fifty. I'm happy to say I'm I'm the, I'm five oh fifty. Yeah. So two. It's a twofold question, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously you did some serious training when it comes to professional wrestling, yeah. especially if you're studying like multidisciplinary and and other forms. Yeah. Uh, I guess what would you give? piece of advice to somebody out there right now that's a young say anthony green like you like we talked yeah. about somebody you you respect what's what's one piece of advice you could give him out of this and then second part of that is um for any kid like that's looking to get into the profession that you're in yeah like what one piece of advice would you give them so those two because sure. jp i'm gonna i gotta get him in sure one is learn everything um, I, I've told guys before when they train with me, I said, look, I'm not going to tell, I didn't work for the WWE, so I'm not going to tell you how to get into the WWE. I'm going to teach you a variety of things. And then after that, you got to go someplace else and learn other things. You know, I, I often, with law, we often That's talk about how there's the practice of law. There, there's a reason it's called the practice because we're always learning. We're always practicing, <laughs> you know, wrestling should be the same thing. You should always try and learn, have as many arrows in, in your quiver as possible. So that's a big part of it. The other thing is, Learn the masters. You know, I, I'm I'm always surprised at how many people don't know what came before them, and to me, it's an embarrassment. I mean, there was a wrestler oh. I, I won't I won't mention his name, but there was a young wrestler I remember was standing around once, and he said uh, the question came up, "Who's Lou Thez?" Huh. Oh, wow. And what was funny was everybody standing there then turned and looked at me because they were expecting that my response was going to be, "What the fuck." <laughs> <laughs> I said, how can you ask who Luthez is? And I, I start telling him, he says, well, that was before my time. And I'm like, yeah, Babe Ruth was before the time of every current major league ball player, but they know who the hell he is. Right. And I'm sure you could name and quote several lawyers that came before you. Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding? You know, I, have, and that's I have two pictures on my wall right now of Charles Hamilton Houston and Thurgood Marshall. Because I'm not a lawyer without Thurgood Marshall and Charles Hamilton Houston. There's there's just no way around it. You know, they're the ones who set the stage for breaking the segregation in America. They were the ones who taught I learned about Thurgood Marshall because of a TV show. And the minute I heard about him at six years old, I said, I want to be a lawyer. 
Um, so yeah, you all have to learn that. And, and in law, law is so much about precedent. We read what took place before us because that's what establishes where we are now. So I'm always disappointed when guys don't learn their craft uh, and learn their history of the game. I think learning the history of the game is extremely important, doing it both it through books, through video, and also through talking these old times. Look, we're not going to have these old timers around forever. You got to talk to them now. I used to love going to Colin Farrell Alley because I could sit down and talk to Dick Bayer. I could talk to, to Vern Gagne. You know, I could talk to Terry Funk. I could talk to Bobby Heenan. Like, you've got to talk to these guys now while they're here, while they're alive, get their stories. Um, especially some of these guys. I mean, I thought about it for a moment a few years ago. I, I often thought, you know, when you talk about a, a Dustin Rhodes and a Cody Rhodes, <laughs> um, and screw you, I will always call him Cody Rhodes because I'm sorry. I think that the family has the right to that name. Yes. I don't care what you do, WWE, bring it. The, as far the, as I'm concerned, the name Rhodes <laughs> belongs to him as much as anybody. Uh, yes. But I look at these guys and I think, you know, between those two, just those two, the amount of knowledge they must have about the wrestlers of the last 50 years must be enormous. Just enormous. Big, big enough to go start your promotion. Oh, yeah. I mean, just and, and and I got to tell you, I was at the uh, I was at all in the first all in in Las Vegas. Um, or was that double or nothing? I think double or nothing. Yeah, I was at double or nothing in, in Las Vegas uh, in which Cody and and Dustin just stole the show. Yep. Uh, and I'll tell you, I was in that crowd and I I should admit it was the first live major pro wrestling promotion I'd been to in probably 10 or 15 years. What did you Nothing think? Else. Like, what did you think? Like, what, like as far as the fans and like overall? Oh, the, the fans were intense. I thought the presentation was good, but there was also no question. The match of the night for me was Dustin and Cody. Yeah, because their their psychology was dead on. The fan they already had the fans in part because the fans love Dusty. They love Dusty, and they know that Dustin loved Dusty, and they know Cody loved Dusty. Uh. And they had a great build up to that too. Oh my, it was beautiful. It was just, and this is the thing that people forget. Part of what always made wrestling work, and I say this, I often say everything in life I need to learn, I learned from pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. In law, you have to get the jury to give a damn about the case. <laughs> in wrestling, you have to get the fans to give a damn about the match. It's the same lesson. And they made you give a damn about the match. And at the end, this, these weren't two brothers who hated each other. These were two brothers who tried to prove something to each other and to an audience. And when it was over and when Cody said, I don't need a friend, I don't need a partner, I need my big brother, the tears just flowed from so many people. And my view is don't tell me a work sport can't work when you know how to work it. And yeah. that was fantastic. And from that point on, I've always said, I mean, one of the things I'm hoping to do eventually at some point on my show is I want to get Dustin and I want to get Cody on. Because I think their knowledge of how to tell a story is spot on, just just spot on. Yeah, it's, it's one of those. I, it, they're so cultured in everything that comes yeah. with what everybody terms the business. Yeah, not only from the people that they've grown up around, been around, um, experienced life with, but also the willingness to surround themselves with people that are professionals in an area that they may not be strong in and yes. knowing that that your strongest um your strongest asset is really those around you that support your weaknesses and i think that's the one thing that sets aew apart from nxt now yeah i have a lot of complaints about aew um 
Most of them are all minor. Uh, but I'll tell you now, you tell me MJF is on. You tell me FTR is on. You tell me Cody is on. You tell me Dustin is on, and I'm watching. Oh, and SCU. I love SCU. I love, I love Scorpio. Disclosure, I helped train him in his early years, but just love him. He's far beyond anything I ever taught him. Good. I love Chris Daniels. I love Kazarian. When those folks are on, I'm watching every time. I'm I, watching. I don't typically like the ha-ha stuff, but yeah. I, I love Orange Cassidy. I think what he does is so different, and he makes the guys around him kind of work and make them a little bit better because they have to work with his psychology when he's in there. Whether I, it's I his gotta, hands and his pockets, it, it takes a different type of athleticism. It's a different type of story told. I hate Orange Cassidy. I knew you were. I knew you were going to disagree with me on that. Except, except, here's my caveat though. I hate Orange Cassidy until they change him because his athleticism is clear. I think that he will be able to show good psychology, but the day when he stops doing the hands in his pockets and finally says, <laughs> screw you, I'm coming in hard, that I think is going to have people explode. And and trust me, right now, my, I have a firm belief, um, and I know if, if Cornette hears this, he'll, 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 he'll rip my head off for saying this. Orange Cassidy, MJF. Like okay. the reason uh, I once when you said Cassidy more serious, that's a wet that's dream. A, that's a money maker. That's can a I just JP? Can I so, just make this point? Okay, I'm just gonna make this point. And when the first person at air at air mouth tonight, I'm so it was MJF. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. I'm the just still in the business. I'm just saying, like we said that I said it two or three like three years ago. This is because I was a huge CZW fan. So when he had both the wired and the heavyweight, I was like, okay, that's just for me time to pay attention a little bit more. Yeah. And the way that kid lives he hasn't changed it. his character at all. He Let lives me... it. That's him. That's I, it. I, I, I told you I was at double or nothing, right? Yes. So, so Matt, the show is over. He's walking through the casino. I walk by him. And I go, great job. And he goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I instantly was like, "I love that some bitch. I love that some bitch right there." <laughs> yeah, well, he, pro he, he probably said, "You're supposed to be in the other motel." Oh <laughs> well, no! You see, it was the MGM, and I don't know where he was staying, but the Ebony Blade <laughs> was staying in the big suite. Okay, <laughs> I was I wasn't staying at the at the at the at the double room. No, 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 no. Tony Khan money wasn't paying for where I was. Let me make that clear. All right, I was at the big suite. We walked out. We looked at the back of the When you when you fly into Vegas and you see the people out there on the on the on the balconies at the MGM Grand and they're sitting by their own personal private pool, that was me. Now the thing with MJF is. There's no video of him out being friends with fans. There's out no there being friends with say, anybody. No, he lives nobody the that can, no fan that can say, "Oh, I hung out and had a beer with MJF after the yeah. show." He lives the gimmick. Dude, the, the idea that this guy is backstage with Tully Blanchard on a regular basis. But think about yeah. He, if, he, when you say uh, that, when when you say that, JP, think about the people at at LW Maine. Think oh, yeah. about Ace Romero. Think about. Anthony Green, think about even Josh Briggs. Think about that. I mean, that's right. that's his that's his that's his home to me. That's I think that's where MJF can actually do whatever he wants. He could he could try to be a face there, no matter what he wanted to do. But that those are his people. 
Those are the no. type of people that I that re- I respect and associate with. Yeah, My he, question. He protects the gimmick so well. Yes. I have and, one more question for you, Eric, about yeah. Ebony Blade. Yeah. And this is we do a side project too called the New England Inside New England Indie Insider with Leo Connors. Oh yes. And we do um it's mainly New England based, and they're gonna get some of our wrestling questions from tonight to use. Mm-hmm. But where do you how did you go from California to New England wrestling? Oh, uh- <laughs> It's very simple. I went to law school in New England. Okay. <laughs> that, that's really it. I, what was I the difference to... in the oh, two? Oh, gosh. Let's see. Because um, I think for one, one of the things that was clear is that at the time I came into New England, which would have been 97, there was, uh, there was, there was a much larger amount of wrestling here in New, out in New England than there was in California. Much more. Uh, I think the other thing was that there was a stronger connection. I think part of that was because of its proximity to the WWE. Because L.A. had not had a major promotion in it, unless you want to count you know, UPW or XPW, which weren't the same, um, for many, many, many years, many years. Whereas in New England, you had all of these people who were so connected to the WWE. And obviously, you, know, you had Walter... You had people who'd been trained as well by Johnny Ross in New York who were coming up to New England. Um, I think Mike Hollow is an underrated trainer. I think as a teacher, he's very good. He's a very good teacher. I always tell people to do this. Don't just just check out a name. Check out whether somebody can teach. And I've done sessions with Hollow. Hollow can teach. Um, You know, I think Bob can teach. Um, So, I mean, that was one of the things that I noticed, that there were just a lot more choices. Now, I also noticed that it was still at the time very heavily WWE influenced yes. in how people wrestled. Um, I grew up, you know, obviously, you know, I, I mean, English wrestling, I loved to death. I mean, I loved, you know, Fit Finley. I adore, uh, I was a huge, my favorite was Mark Rollerball Rocco. Oh, I loved Mark Rocco. Um, I was also a huge fan in Lucha, Negro Casas, El Dandy, um, you know, who I always felt that, you know, WCW just ruined those Lucha guys. <laughs> Just ruined it uh, every time, almost every time. Exactly. Whereas these guys could put on because people watch Lucha matches. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, but when you watch the big matches, you know, the big title matches or the displays, those matches, you know, which was a bet match, you know, hair versus mask or something like that. Yeah. Those matches had great psychology. Wonderful. Oh, I tell everybody, sure. go see, go see um, uh, Los Velanos Cuatro versus Atlantis. That match is just a jewel. And the WCW, who even put on a Lucha show, you know, when Worlds Collide, I'm sorry, Art Bar and Eddie Guerrero against El Santo and Octagon was the best tag team match of the freaking year that year. Um, had Bar not died, trust me, Los Gringos Locos would have been the biggest tag team stars in America. Um, I mean, they were just, they were perfectly ripe for to deal with everybody. But that was one of the things I noticed is that there wasn't as much diversity at first in what people were watching and what they were drawing from. You know, I used to go down to see my family in Arkansas all the time. And in Arkansas, we got the Memphis feed. So I always say, if you didn't see Jerry Lawler in Memphis, mm-hmm. you didn't see Jerry Lawler. You know, yeah. You, you might have seen the king, but you didn't see the king. <laughs> um, you, you didn't, if you saw Jimmy Hart in WWF, you didn't see Jimmy Hart. You saw Jimmy Hart. But you didn't see the Jimmy Hart right. who carried that promotion himself 
on his back as a manager for a year and a half until Lawler came back. Um, so that's the, the thing. Is, but other than that, I thought one of the things that was really good there was there was a sense of camaraderie in New England that I thought was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I thought it was great that there were so many places where people could work. I thought there were there were some fat, some really sound fundamentals in places. Um, there are also some other things I found, which I think you'll find just about everywhere, where it's like, okay, there's some people who just have no business in a goddamn ring. Just yeah. no business in a ring. Uh, and I'm not, I'm yep. not going to name them. Um, but there are some people where it's like, look, I, I know I'm older and fatter than I used to be, but Jesus Christ, you, you shouldn't be anywhere near this ring. Um, but I think that's going to be a problem in any promotion you go to um, it, at that level. I think when you, once you start to get to the higher independent levels, you're going to get less of that. MLW doesn't have much wasted space. You know, um, Impact doesn't have much wasted space. ROH doesn't have much wasted space. Sometimes that will happen at the lower level. Um, but all in all, I've often said some of the best times of my life were wrestling in New England. Um, and, and the other thing about New England I've noticed, too, is that people are very loyal. Yes. I mean, I, I tell the story all the time. I gave, you know, I was sitting in a locker room. I was getting ready to leave the area. I was UCW champion, I think. And they wanted me to drop the title to somebody who I said, I can't do it. I can't drop it to them. And they're like, well, I said, look, the problem is that I have come out here all the time and I, I wrestle a technical style, as does he. he said, but I'm also, I'm also, if I do say so myself, I'm great on the mic. He can't talk. If you put him in after me, it's not going to go well for him. So I'm not going to drop it to him. So they said, okay, who? So I'm looking in the locker room. I look around and I look up and I see this kid. And I see this kid who I'd seen numerous times who I thought had great fire, had great fire in his comebacks. Um, he was very athletic, very agile. Um, and I thought he can talk just good enough to where it's not going to hurt him. And I looked up and I said, him, that's who I'll drop it to. And they said, okay, we well, can drop it to him, you know, the last night. I said, no, I don't drop it the last night. Here's what happens. He and I are going to have a match. It's going to be a double countout. After the double countout, we're going to have another match. I'm going to drop it to him. Then we're going to have the rematch. I'm going to put him over clean, and then that's when I'm going to be gone. Wow. And that, and that was Kyle Storm. Okay. Years nice. later, I come back to New England, and I was just happy to watch that's... and just be a commentator. Wow. And Kyle pulls me aside, and Kyle says, I want you to start working. And I said, Kyle, I, I don't know if I can get over now with, with all the you know, fast-paced things with people. And Kyle says, trust me, you'll get over. So one thing that I always point out to people, and it's funny because Kyle and I disagree politically on almost everything. But I always point <laughs> this out. I said, Kyle never forgot that I gave him a chance. And because I gave him a chance, Kyle never forgot yeah. that. And Kyle put oh. me in a position to, to have one I last really good run. And I, I'll forever be grateful to him for it and forever love it. But it's also one of the reasons I quit because I also knew – Kyle would never turn on me, ever. He would never That's... face me out. And so I was able to say, yeah, it's time for me to go. Uh, so one thing about New England is they can be very, very loyal. I love the guys there. I do. Kyle is probably one of the most loyal people until he's crossed. And I yeah. love Kyle to death. Then you're, then you're dead. And that's, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, then you're dead. But like one of the most electric moments I think I ever saw on, a, on an independent show, and this speaks for you. How much of a worker you were was your entrance with Adrian singing you out? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know. so the other promoter's wife, Josh, was as uh, like she was a very acclaimed singer. Oh God, yeah. And Adrian is a great singer. Ebony cool. came out to a son of a preacher man. Yep, and she did a live performance for him on the way out. And that was that a return match for you or something? 
I think that we the first time we did that um, was the I quit the I quit match with myself and Mad Dog Matt, uh, Mad Dog Matt Storm. Ironically, Adrian's husband. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the second time we did that, they were doing a gimmick of this kid. I, I apologize because I can't remember his name at the moment, but they were doing a gimmick of this kid who um, his whole thing was that he would take on anybody. He would take on anybody. He would take on anybody. And and so over at uh, their annual big show, um, which was Genesis, as I recall. Yes. He said, "I'll take on anybody." And so Adrian walks out, you know, and the music plays, and she starts singing. Uh, son of a preacher, and then I came out and I went in and I I, I wrestled him, um, you know, and beat him, and then you know was done because I, I I literally you know, since my retirement in two thousand and six, I think I've wrestled three matches, which by pro wrestling standards is a real retirement, you know. That's yes, <laughs> that's a real retirement. <laughs> All right. I know people who've had more more matches that have been retired for a less amount of time. Oh, so. oh God, yeah. Well, it's funny because people will say, oh, you know, you're not too old. You can get back in there. I mean, look look at how long Terry Funk and Ric Flair last. And I'm like, yeah, but that was Terry Funk and Ric Flair. Right. And Terry Funk also has, like, no cartilage in his yeah, knee and can barely know? walk outside of the ring. You know, I, you know, I wasn't – I'm not Terry Funk or Flair. I mean, what the hell are you talking about? I'm I'm, I'm, I'm done. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm, that I'm, is my position. One thing from me to you that I want to say to you mm-hmm. – is I know you stand very strong on certain points. Yes. And I want you to know I do too. Black Lives Matter, Eric, and whether you know it or not, I stand beside you through the whole fucking thing. Thank you. Thank you. I greatly appreciate that. That that uh, yeah, that I'm gonna have to say um that really has has come to mean a a lot to me because one of the things that I turned as I said, I turned fifty recently. And one of the things that was important for me was the realization that I, I probably have maybe 23, 25 years left. And after that, I will shuffle off this mortal coil and, and, and be on my way. <laughs> but one of the things that became important to me was I'm, I'm tired of fighting the same fights my parents and my grandparents yeah. and my great parent, grandparents went through. And the most important people in the world to me outside of my wife, obviously, and my sisters, are my nieces and my nephews. Yep. And for me, the view was, I've got to fight for them because this world is going to punish them. It's going to screw them. It's my nephew who is so adorable, so wonderful. <laughs> but, you know, at 14, he's, he looks like he's a grown man. And I know the danger that that presents to him. And I'm like, we got to cut this shit. We just do. And so, admittedly, have I lost relationships over that support? Yes, I have. Have I lost business over that support? Yes, I have. Wow. Uh, does that bother me? No. No. See, because... what I've learned from you and from your tweets and stuff mm-hmm. is that I have to know when to shut my mouth about it and when to speak up about it. Because yeah. like, you would post something and I would post something almost defensively and you would come back and be like, yeah, but JP, I'm not talking about you. Why are you defensive on this? Yeah. Like, So I've learned to shut up on that stuff. And I just feel like <laughs> I haven't way. said Did that. You... That's a sound yeah, bite. No, and it, and it is hard. I mean, I, look, in many it's, ways, we're asking people to. And I also to kind got of to see a magical moment from some of your tweets. Oh, what, what, basically, what has to happen? What, what has here, to happen? Which one? Yeah, what has to you? What has you to happen? Lost and this a is great friendship because of some of your tweets. Yeah. And last year at Joe Bruins thing at the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, I happened to glimpse over in the corner of my eye. Yeah. And I saw you and TJ Richter embrace. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I happened to be ne- I happened to be next to TJ to Karen at the time, 
Yeah. And I just kind of tapped her and nodded over, and we were both like, oh, like that just meant something to just be able to see that. And yeah, because I think I've waited a year to say that to you. Yeah, because here's one of the things. Admittedly, TJ and I had a had a a strong difference of opinion, and I can't recall whether it was about Trump or Black Lives Matter, or whatever it was. Um, but at the same time, you know, I love the guy. Right. Um, and part of it too is that I also know he has gone through so many struggles. Yeah. So many personal demons, and he keeps fighting. Yeah, he does. And part of this, part of the you know, Black Lives Matter too, and Trump issues too, is it's it's there's a continual fight. It's the how do you change your perceptions to move on to the next level? And so for me, part of it was if I love the guy, you know, a year and a half of not talking to each other was enough. Right. And so the other thing too is that I also feel when I go back to New England for that for that reunion. It involves people who are such an important part of who I am, who I became, who I wanted to be, and who who gave my life you know, such incredible memories that, as far as I'm concerned, when I'm there in that group, knowing full well that Every year, there's the chance we're going to lose somebody. Mm-hmm. That that's when certain things need to be put aside, and for that moment, for that period, only the love is supposed to endure. Only the love, only that. That's... Because at the end of the day, that is part of what we're all going to remember. Um, it's called the circle of friendship for a reason. And it's important to, to me to kind of keep that link going in that regard. Um, there are some people I disagree with vehemently now who I can't listen to, can't even talk to. But the day may come when that changes. Uh, and we can only hope so. And part of that will be because of where we've, we've come through and ridden through. Uh, I often give the analogy of you know, I've, some, of the, some of the people who, are, who I care about the most and who I know care about me the most are people who've busted me wide open. <laughs> there, there's no other place like that. There's no other business. Right. Like that. <laughs> it's no. a huge amount. Of, it's a huge amount. It's a trust factor. And it is. And I didn't want to, I didn't mean to interrupt when you too, but no, no, that's when fine. you guys were talking, it's, it's a huge, it's a learning curve. Mm-hmm. I mean, to, for, for, for even to go back, I mean, I'm 45, even to go back growing up, I mean, and JP and I have talked about this. I mean, um, ring around the rosy, uh, any, yeah. any, mighty mo. Yeah. Like these things that we grew up with that have been ingrained in part of culture for so long, it became tolerable. Yeah. And we became tolerant to it, which yes. we should never have done. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it. I think the most difficult part for me is I'm fortunate enough to have a mixed nephew. And I'm, that opened my eyes a long time ago. Um, you know, it, it's hard to to put into words like how long I guess I watch from afar. I've always watched from afar because it's it's difficult based on color of skin to know that I'm fucking entitled, yo. Like yeah. 
Yeah. I fucking get to go places and do shit that people with the color of their skin don't. Like, yeah. that's so, just the way that it is. That's That's been embedded in who we are since day one. Mm-hmm. And it's worse right. now. I shouldn't say that. What I should say is that social media has exposed those that have been there the entire time that we haven't been able to see. Yeah. It's not that it's even worse. It's just that it's there and that yeah. you can't hide. And I, I didn't, I didn't understand why privilege. I didn't understand why privilege for a long time. I grew up not rich, not poor, but lower middle class, I'd say. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I said to one of my friends, like who, a person of color, I said, Darren, what the hell is my white privilege? Like, I don't have anything handed to me. He's like, you ever get pulled over by the cops? Yeah. You ever get arrested? Yeah. You ever get beat up by a cop? Nope. There you go. <laughs> and that's the difference. Like, if I get pulled over, if I'm doing something wrong, I might get arrested. I might get a ticket, but I might get a warning. Yeah. I don't, I'm not afraid that I'm going to get dragged out of the car and beat up. Or that's killed. A- that's yeah, the I, fucking level. That's the fucking level, and I want you guys to have the last word. Is like that's the fucking level I'm at. Is like when I get pulled over, I'm more fucking worried about getting a warning than getting fucking shot because of the color of my skin. Right. Like that's not my that's not my mindset. That's not how I I think. So the the task at hand for us is to be able to look at that other generation and say, look, this is this is how it was, and this is how it should be. Don't continue to condone the behavior that is there like we can't continue to just shove it under the car like it exists it's out there expose it don't be afraid not to you we have to otherwise things are going to stay the way they are but i wanted to say that like i wrote down today because i said if i'm going to talk to eric about this and i'm going to say anything black lives matter i'm going to write this down i'm going to be scripted and i wrote it down and you know what i did i left it at work but you know why why because i wanted it to come from my heart so what i say is that's straight from here man and I do stand by you in all of this, and well, I, I think I, it's a tragedy. So, yeah, I appreciate that a uh, a lot, and I think that that's one of the reasons why. Just as I want people, I often get the the analogy of uh, you know, it's like water with a goldfish. You know, when you need a definition of water, you don't ask a goldfish, and that's kind <laughs> of what happens when you're asking white people to understand white privilege. Is that right? You know, they they've got nothing to compare it to, but just like that water with the goldfish. They don't. They're not aware when it's there, but the minute it's gone, they're extremely aware. Right. It's like you, yep. you ever want to watch white people freak out? Watch them when they're in any place where they're outnumbered, and it's like that's my life every day. Every here's day. an here's a number I wonder is because there are so many, uh, you know, veterans like me that have spent time in military service where. Like the guy next to me, I don't give a shit what the color yeah. of your skin is. Yeah. Can I trust you or not? Are you gonna Are you gonna help or are you gonna run? Like well, you just it don't it. matter color of skin. It don't. Yeah. You, you just we all bleed red. That's all it comes a, down to. Yeah, I think you just <laughs> hit upon a major, major part of this, and that is that um, the military has been a fine example of that regard of being able to function in part because everybody's together. But if you look at it, most yep. of our lives are not spent together. They're separate by design. Right. I mean, I, I think you need to remember this. As a kid who saw Boston in the 70s mm-hmm. and their response to busing, mm-hmm. you want to take a wild guess what my mother's reaction was when she heard I was going to Boston for law school? <laughs> <laughs> That's... Okay. She, she thought I was going to die. I mean, she, she really was. She really did think that. 
This um, is all for you, Leo Connors on the New England Indian cider. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and so, you know, like I said, that is becomes one of the difficulties uh, 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 of it is the, the fear and the fact that things are so separate. And when they come together, that's when we really have to, to work these things out. Just like as guys, we have to recognize that, um, you know, the penis does have a privilege to it. And... Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to start thinking about environments in which it's not about whether or not we're comfortable. It's about is everybody comfortable. Right. And if we can make everybody comfortable, our businesses will run better. Our performances will be better. You know, we'll pick up more talent. We'll develop more talent. More people will be happy. I mean, think about it. Had guys behaved themselves, how many businesses – because let's remember, with Shakara gone, with bar wrestling gone, with others gone – that's work people aren't getting, right? And, right. That's and that's what and, people don't understand. Like that was that was yeah, paydays. Exactly. For the record, I haven't said anything about bar wrestling. Just I've kept my mouth shut. JP, I, I said everywhere. They, yeah, because everywhere they I've down. kept my mouth shut. No, yeah, I. Be, yeah, because they, they closed just, down. I'm, I'm saying that these places that closed down because of this, um, those are paydays. Whereas, if the conduct had been more professional, and again, I'm dealing with the allegation as alleged, right? You know, as alleged, if the, if it had been more. Con- uh, professional at, uh, as opposed to what was being alleged, then those businesses would still be running. People would still be getting paydays. So here's my message to you as people who are running wrestling schools and who are running wrestling promotions. There is no benefit professionally. You will make no money by people being sexually harassed. There's no money to be made by it. None. You run the risk of losing money. Why do it? There is no comfort in it. And at the end of the day, what do we always talk about here in this business? What we miss the most is we miss hanging out with the boys yes. because of the great memories. And those girls in the business need to have the same right to have great memories too. So one of the things we need to start working on as a team, everybody involved, is creating safe environments, fun environments, professional environments that are designed to not just you know, make people enjoy themselves because this isn't high school. It's not. This can't be an extension of high school. You get four years to do high school. When those four years are over, it's done. And I know about trying to extend your high school life. You can't do it. You, you just can't. It's over. You move on. And you need to do the same things here. So create your code of conduct. Have your rules established. Have everybody sign off on those rules. And give people safe places. I know people will hate that because they think it's PC. But safe places to be able to turn to somebody else and say, help me if you do that not only are you going to produce a better product but you're going to be somebody who when the time comes for you to leave this planet people will remember that you were someone who was worth working for that you helped make them a happier person and at the end of all of this that's what this is all about this is your time that's a good last word that's a good place to end yeah, I mean, that's, now, uh, go ahead, JP. Eric D. Anderson Law on Twitter, right? Uh, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm, yeah, I think I'm Eric Anderson Law on Twitter. I think I'm Eric okay. Anderson on Twitter, at Eric Anderson Law, yeah. Now, where else can people find you? Um, uh, let's see, a, a variety of cigar lounges across the country. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, uh, every, every pub from here to, uh, to Manchester. Uh, so, no. Uh, you can find us on uh, let's see, Eric, uh, let's see, edalaw.com is the, uh, the website for, um, for my law firm. Uh, we also have a firm that is based in Boston, though I haven't been there in a while because of COVID. 
and that is Sin Lawyers. Uh, our website for that should go up probably in the next couple of months. You can, as I said, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Eric Anderson uh, Law, and also on Facebook. You can find us on Eric D Anderson Law. We have our own web page there, uh, and WrestlingWithTheLaw.com, uh, yes. which was our blog, which we've now converted to our reposting all of our videos. So those are places where you can find us all. If you're in Southern California, uh, don't hesitate to give us a call. 909-283-5494 for all your legal needs. Uh, we also appear, as we said, in Boston. Uh, that would be our, uh, for now, still go ahead and use the 909-283-5494 number because uh, we're setting up a separate uh, line outside of my uh, cell phone for that one. Uh, I know we focus mainly on wrestling, but that's not the only law you practice, obviously. No, no. In addition to, to uh, dealing with wrestling law, we also deal with what I would call sin law. Uh, that is a, where we represent tobacco companies, uh, only only cigars and pipes. We don't own cigarettes. Uh, cannabis companies, adult entertainment, uh, distilleries and breweries. And also criminal law, which is my first love, where I, uh, I represent the people against the actions of the all-powerful government and force them to try and prove their cases. Good luck to them. That's right. Yeah. Having a stand up again to you on there. There's not a more confident person that I think I've ever met. Somebody, I don't know if it's the accent or what, but just when you tell a story, everything you say is with confidence. I would not want to be standing against you in a court of law. Well, as, as, I, oft, as I often say, I wouldn't do it if I wasn't good. That's, <laughs> but thank you, Eric. I appreciate you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you, you doing this. And, uh, man, next time you're in Boston, we got we to gotta find a fire and ice somewhere that's still open. Yeah, is, there, is the one in Cambridge still open, or is that close to? I think that might be still open. Okay, if that's the one, and I think there's one in downtown Boston. If those are open, we're going. I love fire and ice. <laughs> uh, Sunday brunch. That's right. Sunday brunch at fire and ice. Well, sir, still, stick around here. We're going we're gonna to play our outro, but stick around here. You and JP can... I want to actually tell you something that'll change your mind on something that you said earlier. We'll be right back.